This week on Dr. Drew After Dark. Hydrosil, <laughs> you gotta feel it, Hydrosil. Who's got the big balls now? The passing away on November 1st. Not only that, but that was Saw When. That was the Day of the Dead. I just was like, I knew she was a Catholic witch. <laughs> well, they yeah. also that weird lungs, that speckled lung syndrome that they're getting from vaping as well. That There's, was some bootleg oh, stuff. Okay. They hit 12 people and that was it. Okay, so, okay, good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Welcome to Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. Welcome, everybody, Dr. After Dark. We appreciate you all being here. Uh, 818-253-1693. And, of course, Dr. After Dark at gmail.com. Voice messages, emails. That's where I want you to send them. And the guest today is Reggie Watts. Uh, you know Reggie. Everybody knows Reggie. Uh, band leader on The Late Late Show. Uh, comedy Bang Bang. I mean, you've been around for a while now, which is nice. Yeah. But yeah. you have a new book. Yes. Uh, the book is called Great Falls, Montana, Fast Times, Post-Punk Weirdos, and a Tale of Coming Home Again. I am dying to know more about you, and I'm guessing this is the way to figure it out. <laughs> right yeah i think i think so yeah I mean, is it a memoir <laughs> yeah well i mean you know i looked up the difference between autobiography and a memoir and i because i'm not a literary person at all but uh i guess it would be technically an autobiography because it does go through all of my life up until now why is memoir different memoirs uh can be about a specific time in your life oh. even though this does focus mostly on the high school years yeah. but it does go into my years afterwards as well and i open to a page my dad and I had our issues, of course. Oh my God! So great. There should we go. start there? There we go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So You're what the were the issues? Uh, well, he. Your mom was French. My mom was French. Is huge issue. I know. Why wasn't, that, why wasn't it with him? Why not with her? I know, and and also a redhead. So you'd figure like she uh, was a redhead. She was a redhead. Redhead Francaise. Yes. that's weird. I know. I know. Northern I, Northern France. Normandy. Huh? Uh, uh, close. It was. Um, uh, area called uh, the Lorraine. Lorraine, so like Alsace Lorraine, like uh. that that area. They they're kind of like sisters, uh-huh. but also they both had uh, oscillations in territory from Germany and France. Right. So like trauma. there's yeah <laughs> yes. Are you kidding? Like so much trauma. It's crazy. My mother. Well, anyways, I mean, I, father specifically. Oh my God, is that Susie Sue? Oh, that's so sick. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And that's there's Christina P. Okay. Christina, oh, oh, Christina, okay. Christina P's studio is over there. Oh, my gosh. So sorry, and guys. She is a reality. punk goth. Uh, Are you serious? Oh, yeah. When does she do her show? I want to like sit well, Set him up for it, gentlemen. Uh, man, she, that's great. Okay. Anyways, uh, sorry about that. I was just like, that's Susie Sue looking right at me. Um, yeah. My, well, my dad was a Vietnam vet. He went to did two tours in Vietnam, wow. and then he switched to from the army to the air force, mm-hmm. and that's when he it's was kind getting, of an odd thing, isn't it? I don't know why he did that, but he did that. It mm-hmm. was really strange. He he did something very helpful during the war. I couldn't really quite figure out what happened, but the, so he must have been up the the command scale, right? He was a I can't remember what rank he was in the army. He was a an, he was an officer, I think. He has to have been. low low level. Uh-huh officer and well, then won't even give him that huh well because give him I, because i don't because <laughs> well because all i know is is in the in the air force he was just he was military policeman so he was a he was a oh. he was a master sergeant oh boy 
So, um, yeah, but tough he, dude. you know, he was, he was, dude. he was a tough dude. He yeah. was very silent because of that, because of the war. My mother, you know, knew that that was a traumatic experience because she lived through World War II. Her father fought in World War II. Wait and, a minute, and, a second. She lived through World War II. She must have been very She was young, tiny. Though. She yeah. was, she was tiny, but she was around during yeah. the war. Uh. Um, and, um, and, uh, you know, and then the aftermath and then not knowing if her father was coming back or not. And it was the was... Maginot line right there in, in that area. Yeah. And they must have come around exactly. Alsace to get in. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oof. So, so when the war was over, they, you know, the United States had these American bases in France. And so France then triggered the, the clause that says that they can, you know, ask the Americans to leave at any time. And okay. so they did. And is that how they had met your parents? Yeah. My uh, dad was decommissioning a base uh, in France and, um, there was a kind of a, a GI bar uh, called uh, Char the Charlie bar. And they would, um, you know, go there. And then my father's best friend or good friend at the time was dating my mom's best friend. Got it. So it was like a kind of a blind double date that they met on. Um, and my mom. And was your mom English speaking at that point or? No, barely. Did your dad speak French? Uh, a little bit. Oh my. Yeah. Pretty funny. And did your mom raise you with some French? She did. Yeah. yeah. I spoke French, I, but I, I learned French. Uh, orally, I, even though I tried to yes. take French in high school, it's it very didn't, different. It, it, I was like, I was acing it for about like level one, level two, yes. and then when the the grammar got a little bit more complicated, uh, I was terrible at the, it. The spoken, written, and reading each completely different. Completely right. Experience. I I I did a way down the road with writing and and uh, reading. Yeah, and could never understand why when when in France I could not speak very well. I just couldn't understand it. So. My whole story is I got long COVID, yeah. and after long, when I was having long COVID, I had this sense that I could kind of clear the fog by working on language. It was just some this weird feeling that I could do music, dance, or language, and right. it would help me. I thought, well, we're going to Greece, I'll learn Greek. Nice. Two weeks cleared my brain up. It was weird. You're serious? And so when wow. I got back from that trip, and by the way, I had had ease with learning it, which was unusual for me. Like, wow! I wonder if new pathways. Well, you know, how somebody people wake up after a head injury and yeah, they speak yeah. Chinese all of a sudden. Yes, <laughs> yes, like, yes. I had a weird experience like that. But when I came back, I was also a little obsessed about language. Now, I thought I'm going to finally fucking get my French together. Yeah. And I started studying spoken French. I went, oh, well, no one ever. This is a different language. And by the way, there's three different languages going on within spoken French in it's terms true. of the, the slang, the familiar, and the, the mm -hmm. what I was taught, more formal French. Yeah. So anyway, that's my whole story. No, no, it, it's totally true. I mean, yeah. it, it is like, it's shocking where I, I'm looking at a word, you know, and I can kind of read it. I can get through it, but like, it's I'm totally looking at a word, I'm like, it's I don't know totally how to pronounce that. Because totally it's different. like, I don't know what that is. And then yeah. someone's just like, no, it's this. And I'm like, oh, I've heard that a million times. I don't know what that is. It's like, no, that is that. Okay, well, I guess I'll just stick with just what I know. Just stay with the spoken. I, 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 what, what, I'm what, all right. We're we going to read Balzac in French? No. No. Yes. No. I mean, I should. No. <laughs> read it in English and then speak French. It's way, way better. Do you, do you spend any time in France now? I do well. No, I, I, my, my mother. Uh, I don't know what happened. She just became a little bit distant from my, from her family. I think it's because they were trying to like. Uh, she had land from her father, and her stepsister took it. Did a bunch of like crazy things to like fake signatures to try to Ew. sell the land uh, without her knowing about it. And wow. so my mom basically was disenfranchised from the family a, a little bit because they were being kind of 
childish and swindly. And so, but that's not like all of the family. I mean, she, she, they still would call on occasion, but my mom mm. just wasn't thrilled about going back to France. I or get it. So she just never did it mm. in the last 20 years of her life. And so your issues with your dad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were they all around him just being a tough guy? Well, I mean, he was, I think he grew up in a disciplinarian, you know, um, Forget your forgiveness. What was the issue? Well, yeah, right. I mean, the issue, I don't know. The issue, I think, was that he didn't want to have kids. And uh, his, uh, but my mother was just like, we're going to have one, at least one kid. Were you, you the know? only one? I was the only one, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And he would talk about how he didn't want kids? In front no, of not in front of me. Okay. But my mother told me like later I that see. like he wasn't interested in having kids. And I was, and, and as I, as who I am now, I completely agree with it. Like, <laughs> I like, I get it. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want him either, you know? But um, I think the main issue was, and why I bring that up is because I think he was a very happy-go-lucky, very charming, charismatic yeah. guy. Mm-hmm in France when he was hanging out with my mom wow. and he was, they were stationed in Germany and they were stationed in, in, in Spain. So I think like he was kind of a different guy back then. He was mm. a lot more open and, fun. and looser and fun. And, yeah. and then we moved to great falls, Montana. And you know, then he had to readjust to uh, mainly white uh, culture. And uh, my mother was like super protective over anybody treating him differently or treating me differently so she was very like triggered like pre-wired to like defend at any moment and my dad was that was that nice or was that uh challenging or both depending on when she was triggered i guess i mean she she was kind of like a little bit over like if like maybe 20 percent more aggressive than i would have liked but i in hindsight like i completely get it like i appreciate it she was just like kind of like when you go to prison and you like look for the biggest guy and like punch them first or whatever. Like that's kind of her style. Okay, got or, it. And she would be like, "Don't, what's, what's don't fuck ethnicity? with us." It's, it's Alsace Lorraine. Half, yeah, it's like so half German, uh, half French. No, half of? half French, and then my dad's African American. So no, no, he, he, oh, yeah. your mom. Oh, my mom. mom. She was uh, she was just from the Lorraine, so I don't know. So whatever that is, I yeah. don't know what that is. Yeah, sort I mean, of German, sort of Belgian, sort of Flemish. I, sort of. I wish I would have gotten. Uh, I wish I could have gotten a genetic. You know, when I don't you twenty three. I can't. Well, she's not around anymore. Oh but no, but like, I mean, you can they, you can kind of see. They give you a map. Yeah, that's you know, true. Ancestry dot gives you a map, and you can kind of go, "Oh, that's them." They, yeah. They, well, that's the weird thing. When I did twenty three and moi, um, the <laughs> French, moi. the French version, yeah, <laughs> yeah, et moi. Um, they it uh, most of them. My makeup, at least on the Caucasian side, is weirdly English and Irish, it, which is very strange. There maybe be, the Britons, maybe. Breton, I don't know. Or I, very strange. I, yeah, like uh, I, I couldn't really figure it out. Yeah, it's like it's, and some it's of it. I think when I see some of that stuff on those on those websites or those genetic testings, I will, I also sort of start wondering, you know, well, how far back did they go? I mean, maybe the maybe the Saxons and the Normans were actually ending up in Ireland, and that's what that's we're true. seeing here. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's possible. It's possible. It definitely was so surprising when I got it back. I was like, well, there's not a lot of French. In yeah, there. or that, whatever that whatever French was. Yeah, whatever yeah. French was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but that was yeah, that was where she was from. So it's hard to hard to totally tell. I really wanted to get more info on I, it. I but. was reading a piece about a uh is that an aura ring or is that a Oh it? it's an aura ring, yeah. Is that what that what that is? Yeah. I want to get one of those. They're, they're the best. Yeah, I think I need to do that. I particularly gonna, monitor my sleep and stuff. You're going to love it because you don't really think about it. Okay. You're like, All right. You're like, we'll, we'll talk more about, okay, it. We'll talk about <laughs> it. Sponsored by Aura. <laughs> no, it's just not. <laughs> but I was reading something that Benjamin Franklin was railing about um, the, the white people being inundated by 
ra- certain racial groups coming over to America. He was his 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 Pennsylvania populace was being overrun by immigrants and stuff. And he was railing on these uh, I forget what he called them, but it's sort of non-whites. Yeah. He's talking about Germans. Whoa! Yeah. Really? Yeah. And it was like wow. The, the only whites in his mind were British and French and uh, and Saxons. They had to be Saxons. Ah. And so these were Germans. <laughs> wow. The Germans were too dark for that dude. N- not dark. Just, oh, just not, not white. Not yeah. white. <laughs> Whatever that meant to oh, him. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible to me. Yeah. It's like all throughout the ages. Like there's like humans. some version of that. Humans. Humans and like the biological tribal wiring mixed with societal enhancement and resource protection. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly that you just summarized. That's exactly what it is. And it it's in us. And we have to like the yep. stuff that's in us, we have to fight against all the time. Yeah. Just because it's in us doesn't mean it's good or bad or has to be, yeah. you know, part of us. It just is in us and we gotta watch it i i agree 100 yeah. percent. i've yeah i've got a little patience when it comes to that kind of stuff you have patience well when it comes to that yeah, yeah like if someone approaches me or says something like ignorant based off of some like i don't know they're obviously threatened in some way or they're yeah. projecting or whatever yeah in that moment i'm 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 not very reactionary you're not like your mom no i'm no i'm not like my mom my mom would have been like i'm gonna kick your ass and so <laughs> and so how does music fold into all this well, and, I, and I'm also curious about your thoughts on music and language. You speak more than two languages, right? Well, no, I no, I only, <laughs> I, I, no, I don't. I really only speak English and French. Okay, I mean, but I know bits and pieces of other languages, mm. and I can kind of understand other some other languages. Mm. But I, I think I could speak more languages if I gave it the old college. Of course, try. of course. But and do you feel like that music is a close relative? I think music is the universal language. But but I'm wondering if I agree with you. But is it literally in terms of how you learn it and where it goes in your brain and stuff? Do you feel like it's oh. like because you obviously have musical talent? Do you feel like your language ability is sort of tied in with that? I don't think so. Mm. I think like no, I don't think so. I I think I think mu- it's weird. Music is a language, but music in my head, like when I'm trying to imagine yes. where it's coming yes, from, yes, it's it's. It's a very clean, like like a central connection that just kind of has like a, it's just a clean like in out. And is that because you've been with it so long? Did you start at a very young age? Yeah, I started at uh, age five studying piano. Piano. And but I, I but I was really taken by music when I was younger than that. Like I loved music. Like yeah. I was always dancing and trying to imitate what I'd see on TV. Uh. So I've always been fascinated with music and dancing um yeah since i was as far back as i can remember would it be accurate to say that the dancing is sort of rhythm you're sort of oh yeah tight? yeah so and were you a percussion player at any point no i never was yeah. it never was i mean like i would like you know tap on stuff and like use my fingers percussively but i never really got into drums i don't know what it is like I, even when i had access to a drum kit when i'd sit behind it and try it i'd be like this is nah, this is too hard <laughs> too hard i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do this and but i can play drums on a keyboard i can like i can like play all the drum i could play a drum kit like yeah. a drummer on a keyboard oh interesting so that i can do and what what do you consider your main instrument uh um, my, my i guess my voice is my main instrument but um but i feel really comfortable on a synthesizer any like a sampler synthesizer it's easy and you know a lot of my friends who are producers they use all kinds of gear that I feel like I should know how to use. I mean, computer stuff? Yeah, of? like samplers, like, yeah. you know, a cotton, like they grew up like 
programming Akai samplers or doing like, you know, step sequencers for drum machines, like a TR-808 or a 909 or, or Electribes, like other instruments that mimicked that, but, you know, expanded on it throughout the decades. But um, I'm not really a MIDI, like MIDI programming guy. I like playing everything and that's why I like looping. So with looping, it's a, I'm doing what they're doing but I'm just playing it manually and then it starts looping instead of like me sitting down and going, oh, the snare here, you know, and the pattern goes by. I'm going to add a kick drum here, pattern goes by. Oh, I like it. I'm gonna, no, I'm going to take that keep that kick drum away. It again. just loops what you did. Yeah, it just loops. This is just like whatever I performed, it's a recording that just loops. Got it. And and if it's that format, then I can I can think like a sequencer and I can think like um, like someone working with a computer audio program. So that's live that's a form of production or a performance called live production which a bunch of people do like um ed sheeran kind of comes from that tradition um isn't uh, it sort of what the bgs invented way back in, in did they do looping uh, i think maybe early, i don't know like it was one of the early literally had to set up like a tape and and do it you know explicitly uh analog. well there's well there's de there's definitely there was analog people messed with huge long loops yes, and stuff like that and they, and they would do delays and things like that which were starts it's like a delay pedal can become a looping pedal it's like they start to ride a weird line between them but um yeah i mean that sounds very pop possible i mean a mellotron was kind of like a sam early sampler which was like you know it had a keyboard but when you pressed a note it would play a strip of tape that had the sample of that note of like a piano note like yeah. it would be an a flat so you press a flat and there's a strip of tape that's an a flat piano wow. note and it would just as soon as you hit the key it just plays the strip of tape and it's only so long so it'll stop after a while but the the most famous use of that instrument was like uh strawberry fields you know that that calliope sounding uh, thing that uh, was i believe that was a mellotron yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, some form of looping has kind of existed throughout That's the 60s, 70s, now, 80s. Now 90s. you, we mentioned that you just had uh, finished Rogan yeah. Marathon. Yes. What, what kind of stuff did he take you through? Because you, you can talk on a lot of topics. Man. You just kept going? We talked about everything. I, I, ta I spoke really, really badly about uh, capitalism. Um, I spoke... Uh, um, you know, we, we, yeah, we spoke about that. We spoke about kind of like the nature of conflict, um, human conflict. Was we, this in, on the heels of what just happened in the Middle East? And, yeah, I, yeah. I, we didn't go full. We didn't go fully there. Yeah. Uh, I, with that, I was like, let's see where the conversation goes. I don't really have like enough to, in, in that moment, I didn't feel like, well, I had enough to go on to know with what that. was going on. Yeah, and yeah. I wouldn't know where yeah. that would go in, yeah, the, yeah. in that situation. So I was like, I'd rather just, you yeah, know, if it comes it. up naturally, cool. But if yeah. not, um, yeah, we didn't really speak on that. We just talked about it in general. And then, um, and then yeah, we talked a little bit about the book. We talked a lot about my fascination with, you know, automobiles, especially like electric automobiles and propulsion and battery chemistry and like green future and um, AI being beneficial for humanity. Battery chemistry. How did, how did you get involved with that? Well, I mean, very, very lightly. But I was just talking about, he was talking about how he's bummed that some of these electric vehicles, they don't have like enough range. Oh, I see. And okay. so, and so I, my thing was like, it doesn't really matter. That's not what I'm concerned with. My concern with is if these vehicles, which are superior in many, many ways, especially with trucks and SUVs and stuff like that, they're they're just a superior vehicle for off roading. They just mm. they just are. Um, however, the range is the issue. So like if you go out in the mountains and you have anxiety, be like, I'm not. I'm going to run out of energy. It's like I'm like, yeah, but don't worry yourself about that because new battery chemistries are wor being worked on all the time. So right. the, the battery packs will improve. Yes. But the technology around it, as long as that keeps being developed. The batteries are just going to get better, so yes, so yes. there's no real no worry no reason to worry. 
I guess. I don't know. Anyways. It, it is, you know, I, I, I did a little chemistry back in my day and uh, it, it was not obvious to me that we would be able to develop batteries the way we did. Yeah. Some, some of the innovations were truly extraordinary. Yeah, and it's hard to predict, right? And so, totally. it, so yeah, so I, that that attitude that we'll figure it out is is a legitimate, reasonable way of looking at things. So when people read, the, I mean, the the testimonials in the back are insane, right? <laughs> Conan O'Brien, Fred Armisen, Sarah Silverman, and Conan particularly is like, you have to read this book. <laughs> Reggie's telling of his story is a delight exceeded only by my ability to use crucible in a sentence. Um, he had been forged in the crucible of Montana via uh, Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> what do you want people to take away from the book? Um, you know, I I think it's I think it's just an interesting story. To, you know, I think uh, me being who I am and how I got to be where I, where I am is an interesting story. And uh, I was excited to, to tell that story and also to have an example of something that might be able to be made into a TV series mm. or a you know, a film of some sort, because I think like my experience was kind of unique. I know that there were other kids that, that, you know, you, I mean, we'll hear hopefully, you know, people reading the book and going, Oh, it was very similar to my upbringing and so forth. But, um, yeah, it's just like a weirdo's tale. Um, I love these pictures in here too. They're fantastic. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. I, uh, I was really stoked to finally. Oh, there's your mom. Those. Yeah. There's my mom. Yeah. I, I, I identify her as French. I can see it. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah. She's very hyper French. Yeah. <laughs> she never let that go. She was always a resident alien. She never became an American citizen. Is that true? Yeah, she was proud of How her French citizenship. Oh, the French. I know. I love it. I, I really do love that, that I have that in me. Even though, weirdly, I identify mostly with Germany, which is odd. I've gotten, there's your dad. I've gotten very obsessed with uh, French history. Like weirdly. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean, know what I, I first I started worrying about the French Revolution and you know, I, I've been worrying about that for a long time because it's the only other period of history I can find where there was prior to the revolution there was yeah. so much childhood trauma. Oh. That was similar to the present time. Oh wow. The only time, I mean there's always been war traumas and that kind of stuff, yeah. but that kind of familial interpersonal trauma and childhood sexual abuse and abandonment pervasive in, in pre-revolutionary wow. France and 60s 70s 80s here at same oh thing. my gosh i never even think about that yeah. i was i was thinking about like cycles because obviously we've been through many cycles of stuff of stuff as yeah. human beings because we're so awesome and like, so <laughs> open-minded so, awesome. so dynamically flexible <laughs> we naturally change. born critical thinkers and it's like we just want to cooperate um and we want to share you know that's the <laughs> that's thing is obviously we love to share uh, nothing okay. more <laughs> nothing more than humanity what do they like uh they love to share they're curious they're adventurous and they're cooperative and they're very helpful kind. and very they're kind, kind to each other kind and helpful huh. <laughs> Well, here's what we do here. We take some yeah. calls. There's kind of medical Sick. calls coming in. Oh, so, I love it. Uh, gird your loins. Okay. Uh, and then we'll watch some videos and we'll hear some Ooh. voicemails and I'll do, do some emails maybe. And Hell so, yeah. Let's see what we got here. Okay. Here is a Jacob. Boy, things has been waiting a while. So I want to get to And I'm McBailey. I'm going to get to you here too quickly. Uh, Jacob, go ahead. Uh, hi, mommy. I have a question about my balls. Okay. Come to the right place. <laughs> All right. So when I was uh, several months old, I had to have a hydrosteel repair surgery yep. because my ball bag had filled with fluid yep. and gotten to about uh, a size than my dad. Wow. Okay. So I was curious if there are any risks uh, for my balls 
uh, that I might have to worry about later in life due to this uh, repair surgery. So you guys throw up another picture of a hydrocele for uh, for Reggie here so we can let him know what that is. It's a, You get cysts in your testes. They can happen, oh, and they can fill man. up blood or fluid or sperm, semen, and hydrocele is the most common one. And there is one right there. They're operating on one. There it is. Whoa. It's there. Yeah. So what happens? So the so the inner it's like a it's like a big fluid buildup. Yeah, a big cyst. It's a oh, I see. And they so get it's kind of like what women get on their ovaries, but like a male yeah, version. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, there's a nice blue one there. There you go. That's a nice hydrocele. And they get kind of nasty and big, and you have to drain them. That's a cool name. <laughs> Terrible condition. Maybe uh, maybe write some music around hydrocele. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hydrocele. <laughs> you gotta feel it, hydrocele. <laughs> Who's got the big balls now? <laughs> Are either of your testes, well, where, the side that the hydrocele was on, uh, Jacob, is it at all smaller than the other side? Uh, I actually luckily got them on both sides. Ah. Um, so I, I went into surgery as an infant and actually still have two gnarly scars from it. Nice. Oh, day. Lucky, lucky you. Uh, and so they actually removed them surgically then. They didn't just drain them, which is great. I'm assuming you have normal testicular function, which you should, though, though it can affect fertility a little bit sometimes. Uh, but if you're otherwise normal, normal functioning, and you're not noticing the symptomatology, it's unlikely to be anything meaningful, I would say. Okay. I yeah. Understand. Good times. Also, you can get other you can get hydrocells later too. Sometimes they can recur, but it's again unlikely, not super likely. Uh, Bailey, let's take Bailey here. Go ahead, Bailey. Hi, Doctor James. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You be on. Good. You're on with Reggie Watts. So What's up? I was <laughs> I was on um, birth control, a pill form. For about 10 years, mm-hmm. about 15 to 25. And I got off of it a year and a half ago, and I've been losing a lot of hair around my hairline. A lot of hair, okay. Um, so I didn't know if you knew if there was any correlation between birth control and hair loss, and if so, what that's about. And when you say it's around your hairline, you mean like a male pattern baldness, like on top of the head? Yeah. Okay. And how old are you now? I'm 27. And did you say you had been on the pill and now are off, or you're still on the pill? Correct. Off. Off. She's yeah. now off. Yeah. She's been yeah. off for a long 15 time. 15 to 25. And you wanted to ask, you, you said you knew what was going on? No, I was just guessing. And, oh, well, what did you think? I was wrong. Well, wait. There's a lot of stuff that goes on with birth control pills. A lot. Well, I've heard something about hair hair loss, like there are reactions, hormonal reactions. Sure. I mean, any. I mean, hormones. Hair is highly dependent on what's going on with your hormonal system. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, both on and off the birth. I mean, maybe the estrogen that you were on for all those years was causing hair growth, and then you took the estrogen away, and the mm. hair falls out. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, the other thing is that maybe your ovaries aren't functioning quite the way they should. The other thing that happens, you know, I, I think what you were going to probably talk about, Reggie, is mm-hmm. that people get these drops in their libido from the birth control pill. And sometimes, oh, it's, that's true. And sometimes it's permanent. And the other thing, I always bring this up, also from antidepressant medication. There's not uh, enough is made of that. I've heard of that. That I've heard. But permanent. Permanent, oh, permanent libido is, uh, loss. That, that, that's, I don't it, like that. It blows. It, nobody likes that. Uh, and there's actually a group forming of it's like a sort of a patient activist group to try to raise awareness about that. It's wow. terrible. It's terrible. And that is that's sex drive, correct? Libido. 
Sex drive, yeah. But but real when your libido is really gone, you know, all of your sort of vitality goes with it. It's really it's an important part of who we are. Uh, Bailey, e, e, will have you tried? Go ahead. I was just going to say, now that you bring that up, I really feel like I don't have any much of a sex drive at all. I mean, I'm in a four-year relationship. We have super attracted to each other, but I just i am never really feeling it. <laughs> any pregnancies along the way here? No. Okay. I, I w- have you seen a doctor about this? I have not. <laughs> okay. So there there could be a lot of other stuff going on too, right? We're we're sort of blaming it on the birth control pill, mm-hmm. but but it, you could you know, want to get your thyroid checked. That can cause all of this. There's, you know, other sort of inflammatory or even, you know, what they call mitotic things going on that can cause this. So you definitely want to just get a doctor to look at you to make sure there's not something else going on here. And there are treatments, right? Uh, there's a mm. lot of stuff they're doing mm-hmm. for hair loss. Just the easy thing, obviously, is Rogaine. It prevents further loss. And if it is a hormonal thing, getting that corrected, perhaps, like diagnosed and then corrected, right? Okay. Okay? So definitely, definitely do take care of it. Yeah, people, it's it's interesting to me how people, particularly women, will just sort of dismiss low libido. It's like, oh, well, just so, you know, I got to, mm-hmm. or maybe, maybe I'm under too much stress. They do all these inventories and they blame themselves when... I'd say eight times out of ten, it's biological. As you know, it's you can take, you can help. Well, it's like if you remember a different way of being and you're not being that way, then that's you know. I mean, it's it's kind of a simplistic thing, but there's obviously something has changed. You know, a lot of people, men do this particularly as they get past like fifty. They go, oh, I'm just older. I just got to expect. I got to accept this. When oftentimes, no, there's something going on, and you and we can help you with it. Are we? Yeah, I mean the age, the vitality thing is a huge thing because I know I had a friend who went through uh, some kind of autoimmune, maybe mm. like lupus or something, mm. something like that, um, and lost all their their mojo, and mm. they just felt terrible. And then they finally figured out the hormonal. There's a hormonal thing going on. Is it male or female? Ma- female. Yeah. Um, there's a hormonal thing, and then once she, because she gained weight, and she was trying the, you know, all these like diets that were suggested by people and so forth. And then finally, when she figured it out, oh no, she had, sorry, Hashimoto's. Thyroid. Yeah, thyroid. So she had a thyroid issue. And then since she got her vibe back, now she's like, oh, I think I want to date again. You know? Oh, was it all thyroid and everything th- came I, back? I think so, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's why I was referring to with our caller. That yeah. could, could be the same thing. But I, I cannot stress enough how much testosterone is overlooked in women and how important that can be sometimes. If, if they're having perimenopause, menopause, mm testosterone is left out of the conversation and it's often hugely important in terms of sleep, mood, libido, all that stuff that we go, oh, that's the men's hormone. It's like, <laughs> no, no, it's no, not. No, it's a human it's hormone. It's a human hormone, like exactly. people have different ratios of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, only the men get that <laughs> one. Say, this was for you guys. You, I don't know. I don't need it. Here is Mark. What's up there, Mark? Hey, how's it going? Good. Well. Oh, Mark. Get that Labrador, <laughs> Labrador under control there. Yeah, right. Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> That's what they're there for. Um, yeah. Uh, so my... Sorry, go ahead. Nope, it's you. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I just had a newborn born on Sunday. Woo! And, uh, we live up in the mountains about 8,500 feet. And so she's on oxygen. So my question is, will the, bro- uh, will the mother's breast milk kind of um, notice that and kind of help her kind of get acclimated, kind of similar to how when the baby would get sick? 
I'm, we're not following you, my friend. So you're you're in Colorado. You're at high altitude. You're in like Colorado Springs or something, right? Yeah, correct. A- and mom is yeah, po- we're in- very what? Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. And you, then the mom is on supplemental oxygen right now. Why? Uh, sorry, the baby is. The baby's on supplemental oxygen. Why is the ba- did the baby have a meconium or something? Aspiration? Uh, no, we just live at 8,500 feet. And so uh, her O2 levels were fluctuating anywhere between 85 to 95. The babies. Correct. And was the baby premature? Uh, no, she was uh, 37 weeks. And are, I don't know anything about high altitude just, I, in, you know, in neonates in high altitude. Is that something common that they desaturate like that? Do you know? Yeah, the uh, the doctors pretty much said once we left the hospital that we should stop at a fire station, get her oxygen checked, and then basically because she was below 90, that she's got to be on oxygen. And so I was curious. So when the baby gets sick, I know the mother's breast milk will change oh, the uh, to kind of help the baby not be sick. So I was curious if that would be kind of similar sense, uh, just trying to get her adapted to the altitude. The mother's, I'm not aware of any data that suggests the brother's milk changes. It's already adapted to help with antibodies to fight illness. That That's already there. There's a colostrum, right, which is important. It's important oh, okay. nutritionally. I know. Uh, and, and, and in terms of, you know, these, the immune function too. Mm. But that, that's already there. In terms of oxygen, there's, there's no mechanism that I can think of that would create anything in the breast milk that would be associated with how much mm-hmm. oxygen, you know, you're really talking about the oxygen desaturation curve of hemoglobin. And people that live at high altitude tend to shift that curve a little bit and to create more hemoglobin to compensate for that. And that's just a function of development. So the child would naturally do that living at high altitude. Okay? Okay. All right. All right. Good luck with the baby. That's a big deal. You said, wow. That's back to your feelings about not wanting to have kids. Mm. <laughs> like, is it overwhelming, the yeah. idea of a newborn? I, yeah. I mean, I, uh, that's the one thing. And when I think about my dad, I, that I, fami- I, I kind of like, I get it. You know, I mean, he was an only child. He was a groovy Where he dude. Grew up? He grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. He's a groovy dude. He was, a, he was like, he was a groover, you know, like he loved to dance. He loved like drinking his cognac and driving wow. his Firebird and like, you know, and he was a little bit of a, you know, he womanizer a little bit, but not womanizer, but like a, just he loved Be- women. Before he got married. Before he got yeah. married. And so my mom kind of was just like, you got to knock this shit off or whatever. And and he did. He was he was totally cool. But I think he just lost a lot of his vitality. And also he was a chronic smoker and he, he developed oh. emphysema. Oh. He had heart issue. He had open heart surgery <gasps> because mm-hmm. of the, sm- the smoking yes. and the drinking and like. Um, and he was never like, he was a martial art. I mean, just goes to show you, like, you can look like you're in shape, but you could be doing not that well. And so, uh, you know, it caught up to him. And I think that further silenced him. So he's like a war vet. He's taken out of like the zone that he was like explorative, experimentative, experimentative. And then suddenly his health starts to decline. And I think it was just a compounding um, thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I just never had it. I never had, there's... I think about it and I'm like, or I'm even amongst my friends who have children and I'm, I'm watching them. I'm like, I don't, I'm just not interested <laughs> in spending that much energy constantly managing someone else where I feel like my thing is I love going on adventures, running into other artists and having inspiring conversations. And I don't, and I want to, it's like what Sarah Silverman <laughs> said, like she's got a great quote. 
Uh, she said, uh, I love children, but I, you can't swear on here, right? You can. Oh, you can. Okay. Um, I love children, but I love being able to do whatever the fuck I want to do yeah. more. Yeah. And so, and it sounds selfish, but I think my, my primary in this life, I feel like the thing that I'm trying to get to know the most is myself. And I'm having a good time doing that through art and working with other artists and collaborating and trying to spread a, you know, a message of like, guys, let's be cooperative and um, let's knock off all this stupid divisionary shit. And so, and then also just environmentally, I don't know where we're going, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like to have a kid right now just seems like to me, not the best idea. How did you get to be friends with Sarah? Um, comedy scene. Mm. Yeah. Comedy scene, uh, New York. Uh, yeah. She, she was very, she was always very kind to me. And, uh, and I was obviously a huge fan of hers cause you know, her and David Cross and Odenkirk and, um, those type, or Ben Stiller and those, those types of people were really huge to me. And so for her to, you know, spend any time talking That's to me, nice. it was like a big deal, but she yeah. was always, she was just great to me and, uh, love her very much. And so, yeah, just like over time. Did your dad get to see your success, your career? He didn't, he didn't, not really. That uh -huh. was the kind of bummer. He, a little bit in Seattle. I was in a band that was doing, it was starting to do pretty good. Was that the same first band? The uh, well, the first band that like my first original band that got the most attention out of any of the projects I've been in was called Mock Tube, and Mock Tube was a Seattle band that I was think I started in '95, '96. But um, I was in a ton of other bands, but I was like a side guy. I was like the keyboardist or the backup vocalist or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. So, but he didn't really get. Also, his reaction, his vibes were always very like, okay, you know, like he <laughs> was, he was answer? never like super. He was not animated, but I think he was proud. I yeah. think he was proud. Um, How about your mom? Did she get to see it? Uh, yeah. She's still around, your mom? No, no she no. passed away last November. What, November November 1st. What's that? What'd she die of? Uh, she, she died of um, too many ghosts. Uh, she saw too many ghosts. No, no, no. She, she, <laughs> that uh, of fright. Listen, you're a doctor. You well, understand too many ghosts. I got a great show syndrome. for Travel Channel. For <laughs> <you>. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. It's like, it's kind of like the paranormal versus medical. Um, <laughs> paramedical. It's called paramedical, and it's amazing. Uh, um, no, she, uh, uh, she, she had like compounding things. Like she, she got RSV. Um, whatever RSV the one, virus. one, yeah, the, the kids virus. The yeah. older people will yeah, get they sometimes. Get it, yeah. So she got that and she was like in um, uh, recovery hospital, whatever thing for like three weeks. And that took a lot out of her. And I was flying in every month to go visit her. And uh, she just got to this point where she was, I could just tell that she was tired. She wanted to just, I think she was hanging out because she was wanting to make sure that I was okay. And I, you know, demonstrated hopefully enough that I was, and uh, I was visiting her every month. And then was she excited about your career. I th yeah, she was yeah. proud. She was proud about it. She was, she was never like, she never like got into it, you know, cause there's a different generation. She was 83. I was going to say she, she may not get it really. You know? Yeah. And the, yeah. I th think my, my father or my mother really got it. They, they knew that I was being silly, but, um, they didn't get deep into it, but yeah. I don't know. I think it was, in the end it was, you know, I mean, I, what I loved about my mom is that she was like, I think I'm going to die in November is what she said to me. And I was like, I was like, nah, man. Cause I was always like, nah, you're fine. You're going to be, you know, whatever around forever. And, uh, and then it, and then I went, I had to, she kind of fell more ill and the woman who was uh, taking care of her, you know, phoned me and was like, I don't know, man, there's like something going on with your mom. And I was like, in okay. November. Yeah. And, and no, that was, uh, uh, October, October 29th. Oof. So, so I, I got there, no, October 30th. So I like got there October 30th 
uh, 31st, and then on November 1st, uh, she, no, it was the night of the 30th, the 31st. So it turned, is that how it went? Yeah, I think that's what it was. No, it was on, sorry. She died around 9, 9.30-ish p.m. on November 1st. So she was right about the, the passing away on November 1st. Not only that, but that was Saw Wen. That was Sam Hain, the Day of the Dead. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, I just was like, I knew she was a Catholic witch, <laughs> you know? And I, and I was there. She waited for me. Like, I, I took her to bed. And, she, like, and then she just, like, got in bed. And I said, I love you. And then she said, I love you back. And then she just rolled over and passed away. Wow. Insane. Like, you can't write that. Like, I feel so lucky that I was there. Yeah. Like, incredibly lucky that I was there. And, you know, and my dad died on his birthday. Uh. So my parents, like, both, like, died in pretty... Was your mom a smoker too? My mom was a smoker, but she quit cold turkey. But still, that's why the RSV had so much impact on her. I I think so, yeah. She she was always pre Did I see in the book one of the pictures of her in a hospital bed? Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah, she was. That was when she had her heart attack. Oh, my God. So So she had a heart attack. Smoking, guys. Smoking. Anybody doing cigarettes? Yeah, or vapes, man. Uh, Vapes are different. Vapes vapes don't do that. Yeah, but they do something else. They do something else. Yes. Uh, So so here's the deal on vapes. If you're vaping nicotine, it is, in every study, the best way to get off cigarettes. And cigarettes are literally 100 times worse. So go ahead and get off the cigarettes with vapes if that's what you got to okay. do. Then go ahead and get off the vapes because <laughs> there's a shit ton of chemicals in the vape. And, yeah. And the government actually has some good data that shows that it's precancerous changes. So we're expecting to see sort of some cancer down the road from that. Oof. So That scares the crap out of me. Well, they, yeah. also that weird lungs, that speckled lung syndrome that they're getting from vaping as well. You're talking about the, the thing when they, the that horrible syndrome with yes. the, the vitamin E oil and stuff. Yes, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, that was some bootleg oh, stuff. That, okay. They hit 12 people and that was it. Okay, so, okay, good. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Popcorn lung, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I think this this is going to be a, a intense call here. Let's okay. do it. All let's right. do it. And then we'll watch some videos. I'm ready. Uh, Marissa, what's going on? Hi. Hey there. Thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, what's happening? Okay, so basically um, I was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, mm. Um back in June mm-hmm. and immediately lost my health insurance. No oh boy. So I have this diagnosis and I've just kind of been living with it with no medicine. Um, I have a new job. Uh, we'll be getting insurance soon. Good. But I just kind of wanted advice for like how to deal with it. Cause like, I, I feel like there has to be something that I can do to help. Cause like my hallucinations have been more and more frequent. It's just, it's, overwhelming honestly yeah uh and what were the medicines you were taking i never had medication for the schizophrenia like i was diagnosed and like a week later Ah, lost my insurance i didn't get any medicine and these hallucinations they've been with you your whole life well see that's what i'm not totally sure of because like i've always like had you know like small like i would hear things that weren't there, see things that weren't there, but like really like few and far between until I just turned 26 and then it kind of like hit like a train. Like that's why I went to the doctor for it. Cause I was like, there's something going on. Like I'm, you know, hearing stuff like every day. Was it, was it just auditory or were you have visual also? 
I have visual, like very, very, like I'd say like one in 10 times it's visual, it's mainly auditory. And what are the, what are the voices saying? It's like, usually just like, hello, or um, I hear like a beehive a lot. Hmm. Or just like kind of like oh. nonsense, like white noise. And so they're not persecutorial or anything where they're being yelling. No, and, yeah. yeah, it's definitely not like full sentences. I don't know, Marissa, this has kind of an organic quality to it. What, what kind of doctor did you see? Well, I started with a therapist who referred me to um, like a, oh, shoot, it's not like an official psychologist who's like, um, a behavioral. Did, did you did you I, see I her and then did you see a doctor, a physician? Yeah, I had to do like the full psych eval. With they with a psychiatrist with a psychiatrist, but you've never seen a general yeah. doctor or a neurologist. Um, I mean, I have like a family doctor, but I never. Um, approach them with that like i was this whole thing started with therapy once you have insurance i would definitely go back and and talk to a general doctor about this there, there's there's a quality of this that doesn't i mean it can be you know there could was there anything else that that you've had to manage your whole life i mean schizoaffective is a lifelong condition were there other problems yeah yeah so um i've always had anxiety and depression like uh, i was officially Officially diagnosed and treated with that since I was 17. Um, I have uh, post-traumatic stress as well. And then um, I just got diagnosed with bipolar too. Oh my goodness. It's a lot of stuff. It's lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> it's, it's a little fruit salad in my noggin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I got I got concerns that they're sort of over-diagnosing and over-psychiatrizing you. Right. Uh, I, I there can okay. there can be some organic stuff going down here, and of course, and of course, the medical stuff, the organic stuff, can make the psychiatric stuff worse too, right? And it goes back and forth. It, it, I can't, you know, I uh, for thirty years I worked in a psychiatric hospital, and oh wow, first ten years I was there, mm. my job was medical care of psychiatric patients, and I'd say twenty percent of the time, twenty oh. percent of the time, there was a medical problem causing the psychiatric condition. I see. Or somehow okay. are being caused by the meds or something, but twenty percent of the time, a medical condition figured strongly into what was going on, and so I I think you need to at least rule that out at this point because the kinds of hallucinations okay. that go along with schizoaffective are usually kind of unpleasant and they're intrusive. Weird, intrusive. They're your names, you know, and and yeah. and, and you and when you have a visual hallucination, what is that? What do you see? It's usually just like um, like dark figures. Is that um, at night or is that any time most, of day? Oh, any time of day. Any time of day. Or I'll see. Um, I see flashing lights sometimes. Uh, that that's newer though. That's like in the past couple months. Yeah, listen. So, I mean, that could you know. That that is yeah. not hallucinatory. That is that is up the okay. neuro ophthalmological, <laughs> and that needs assessment. Well, that, I also have, um, mm. yeah, I have ocular migraines, and okay, well, um, this is just jogging my memory. When we were talking about that, but um, I also had to, I had to get um, like scans of my head a lot when I was a little kid. Yeah, but why? I had to like why talk to my parents about that. Why? Um, 
they thought that I might have a brain tumor, hmm. but they never found anything. They would just like check it regularly. And what were the symptoms you were having? I don't even remember. Probably just migraines. I've always had migraines. I don't know. Check. check um, I check. lose my vision sometimes. Lose my vision sometimes. See, this is all non-psychiatric <laughs> stuff. Well, we that only you okay. need to see a neurologist. I really, this needs to be explained. There's something okay. not right about this. And please, once you do so, call me back and let me know what what the deal is here because they, they've taken you down a path. Yeah. Where you've, got, you've got four different diagnoses, not all of which fit together. Right. Or if they do fit together under one umbrella, yeah. schizoaffective, there's lots of aspects of that that don't fit with what you're describing to me. Okay. And schizoaffective, in my experience, is usually people are kind of, they're not as, frankly, engaging as you are. They're, they're sort of more flat. Uh, uh, with the, the schizo part affects the personality, and it, it's technically kind of a personality disorder. And, it, and it's, I don't know, you don't, okay. you don't feel like that to me. Though that doesn't mean you couldn't have it. It's possible. But, but I don't know. You get that okay. all checked out, okay? Yeah, that, thank you so much. But, like, right. you know, it's scary when you get, like, a diagnosis. Oh. Yeah, and I and and getting a bipolar diagnosis with schizoaffective sort of uh oh actually put her oh. back in the in the uh, caller room but uh. but they should hear us is that, is that <laughs> uh, but you know part of ski as one of my psychiatric friends said that, you know they're schizoaffective meaning they mood disturbance and yeah. that can be bipolary or just depressive and there's schizoaffective where people are more schizoid and flat and hallucinatory and delusional that kind of stuff yeah. and some mood disturbance. But everyone I've ever encountered, whenever I ever dealt with that syndrome, they're, they're not as engaging as she was. She, she was she was personable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and very you know. yeah, very like cog- cognizant of what she's going through, and also a sense of humor about it. Yeah, right. So uh, interesting. So yeah, it, it was uh, working in a psychiatric setting like that all those years was uh, extraordinary. Wow. You know, I no one get no no internal medicine people like me get that experience anymore, and wow. it's unfortunate because you get the. I'm so grateful to have seen this wide swath of the human experience and and you know <laughs> the excesses with which we approach these things sometimes oh, man. man nuclear <laughs> the, options but hey listen man that one of the things that I learned early cuz I, I thought I I was always interested in the brain stuff and that's kind of why I gravitated toward that job and and I thought I was a had some knowledge in psychiatry and I very Within a couple months, I'm like, oh, I don't know shit. I got to really, I got to stay open minded and learn and consult with my psychiatric colleagues when I need them. But that place was like a fucking museum of psychiatry. It'd been around for a hundred years, wow. and I was still, t- I because I was the internist, got to take care of all the catastrophes that were left behind from the psychiatric interventions of the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Wow. The lobotomies, the cingulotomies, the, they did various kinds of shock therapies. And the electric shock was just one of them. They had all kinds of shock. They had insulin shock, parainfluenza shock, septic shock. They do all, cold shock. They did all, because wow. they when they raised the chemicals in the brain from the shock, the mood would get better. I've, I've had patients with chronic depression that came out of like an ICU septic shock. Yeah. I've never seen them better. And it lasts about three or four months. So I thought, oh, this is where they started thinking about that. Yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, I've seen some catastrophe. Anyways, the, the singular, the surgeries, the psychosurgeries, catastrophic. Yeah, you can't even. That's just like I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. Just, just let this be a lesson to you. Whenever you hear that something is a standard of care medically, yeah. just the hair on the back of your neck should stand up. <laughs> Standards of care 
un, untold harm. It was a standard of care to give uh, a dentist, a, a patient after a tooth pull, 90 Vicodin. That was the standard of care in the 90s and 2000s. Wow. Standard. If you didn't Jeez. do it, you're guilty of, of abusing your patient for inadequate treatment of pain. Well, do you think that that was like kind of cooperative with the with the company? With the the medical, companies got into medical it. Industry? The 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 pharmaceutical industry got into it actually late, but when they got into it, they, they the pharmaceuticals don't cause medical movements. They blow wind into the sails. Right. You know, they go, oh yeah, come with us. Well, yes, you should be speaking for us and tell the world how great this is. We agree. And the doctor would be like, yeah. yes, you're the perfect partner for me to get my. For me to help the world. Yeah. That's what they thought they were doing. Wow. And I have all these quotes from the doctors at the time. I give a lecture on this. You, the quotes are just breathtaking. Wow. Yeah. And, and I God. the whole time was fighting it, the whole time. And I was getting crushed by the state medical board, the Department of Mental Health, my own hospital administration. Because why? Because my heroin addicts, when they did a pain scale, which I was required to do every day, had an unhappy face when they were in withdrawal. Yes. And I didn't give them painkillers. And that was considered patient abuse. Wow. I didn't give them opiates. In opiate withdrawal, because they were a little unhappy. I gave them lots of other stuff, by the way. Yeah. And we got them. No one didn't get through it. Everyone right. got through it. Right. <clears throat> wow. God, that's crazy. Crazy. That's crazy. So when COVID came and the standard of care started going, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Please oh, don't use that word, everybody. Oh. Let's figure this out. Damn. And, uh, you know, and then the state of California wants to sanction doctors who don't follow the standard of care my i was i'm going slowly insane with this uh, these movements i mean it's so tough so, so i think the foundation of it is the the litigiousness well that's a whole other layer to this i think that's like a that's a another prime layer. motivator of like well we'll just like create a standard you know that kind of protects uh, whatever whatever result occurs, it, then it's it is, because that was the standard. So it, it is the it is at least yes. Well, the attorneys take advantage of everything. Let's be fair. Yeah, sure. Uh, but it's the bureaucratization mm. and and the the mindlessness with which people are walking through life now, as opposed to engagement and you know careful creative thought and stuff. Yeah. Which which I don't know. I'm very worried about that. That to me is like that's kind of the problem. One of the <laughs> problems of our time. Gotcha. You know, people are not thinking. They're not. They're. They're. I don't know what they're getting swept. This is back to the French Revolution stuff. They're getting yeah, yeah. swept into these emotional movements and hysterias and yeah, you know. And I, and I get it. It's very gratifying, and sometimes it's right. But everybody, be careful. Think for yourself. Yep. Stand back. Take a deep breath. <laughs> get a th get a fourth opinion. Yeah. Oh, for <laughs> medically for yeah, sure. For, for sure. Because from from the standpoint of the doctor, a good doctor wants you to be happy. And if you want more opinions, great. Let's get more opinions. Yeah. Totally. Well, that may, that makes sense to me. No, it's collaborative. Yeah. All right. Let's talk. To, uh, let's uh, show Reggie some uh, videos here, if you don't mind, guys. Sure thing. It's just like evil Knievel videos. <laughs> they might be. That's yeah, pretty cool. You never know. It's it's your mom's house. <laughs> and anyone else do this? Something really weird. But I guess it's the hypermobility. But like that. Ooh! Look at that. <laughs> Good for her. Doesn't that looks. That's interesting. I like that. Yes, uh, she has uh, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and that can uh, cause that. I'm HSD. What does that mean? I've looked at that too. I love the way they use these abbreviations as though they're universally known by everybody. HSD. I know. I'm SSR three S two five nine. Exactly. So, oh yeah, my grandmother was SSSR just two three nine. HSD. Whoops. Hypermobility spectrum Whoop. disorders. Oh, okay. Well, that's Ehlers-Danlos type stuff. 
Good for you. Came up with that quick. Uh, 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 They're getting uh, faster. Give me another one. So she said, what's the problem, baby? It's me. I am the problem. It's me. Well, HLA-B27 is a genetic subtype that's associated with various rheumatic conditions. But that still doesn't mean you're responsible for your medical decline, so-called, nor does it mean you're destined to a medical syndrome. It's just the HLA-B27 is associated with some specific conditions. That's all. It's not a cause, per se. I don't know. Give me another one. A lot of y'all are curious what happens if I mess with it. Uh This is it right here. Oh, goodness. Except for it gets worse. Um, This is just from the doctor squeezing it. That's all he did was squeeze it. What the fuck? Is it Fungal? a wart? Did she say anywhere in her thing what it is? It says moles or girl with the moles. It looks fungal. Like it does have a fun, fungiform kind of appearance to it, but I, but that's kind of the way. It's, we also call that verrucous to go with wart. Oh. And uh, it looks kind of wart-like to like me. Rough, rough texture. And so why aren't they going to help that poor girl and remove that thing? Hmm. Anyway, uh, I kind of like that uh, she's putting it on, you know, on out in the world, so she doesn't have to hide herself, and uh, people get used to seeing. And things happen, you know what I mean? And I, I, I always don't. I always feel bad when people have to hide themselves away because people are weird. People aren't don't like seeing certain abnormalities. Are you looking at oh, worse? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah, yeah. Same stuff. Such a crazy phenomenon. Yeah. Giant wart on head. Well, that's not even a wart. That one in the middle lower. That's called seborrheic keratosis. That is not a wart. Mm-mm, that is not a wart. A lot of these are not warts, interestingly. Huh. That's a wart. <laughs> see a the wart, difference? A wart Can you guys winning. see the difference? No? Between a wart, like that thing in the upper second one in from the left. Yeah, that's a wart. Right? So, well, it has wart-like properties. It's actually more of a nevus. So. Is this our show now? Yeah. Is it a wart? <laughs> Is it a wart? <laughs> We're going to just do dermatologies. All right, what else you got? Give me, give me another one. I got to call. I'm going to take in a second. Someone with like instant clown syndrome. Yeah. I have an eye dot that falls from my pupil to my iris when I look up and down and back up again. I, I see it on the lower part. Let's do that again. Let's... Uh, Let's let her do it again. We'll watch it. That's of the music they choose. I, I didn't see it happen. It's like I believe where I, it happens. I didn't see it either. But if something is, oh, there, I think, uh, if something's moving around in the iris, that is in the anterior chamber of the eye, and that needs to be looked at. That is not normal. It's probably a blood clot or something, you know, left behind. Uh, huh, an eye dot. All right, let's take a call here. Come on, Reggie. We're going to tell All right. someone. All right. This is Tony. Tony. Tony? Hey, man. What's happening? What's going on? Oh, man. Just dealing with the bad lower back, you know? Mm. Are you... How old are you? I'm 34. Are you, are you overweight? Uh, yeah, a little bit. How much do you weigh? Um, I'm 6'4". Uh, I'm six four and uh, two thirty five. Okay, and have you had any major injuries? You've fallen or done anything to your back? Um, yeah, back in high school, um, lifting weights. Okay. Classic. Yeah. Do you still lift weights? Um, doing clean, 
doing cleans. Do you still lift weights? Uh, not like a uh, just to maintain, not to uh, right, not the not to get big, not not to play football. Yeah. And, and do you? Is this something that just kicked up? Does it come and go, or is it chronic now? Um, it comes and goes, but it stays a lot longer than it used to. Okay. Are you on a medication? No, sir. Okay, good. Yeah, there's a lot that can be done for that. Don't get an operation, whatever you do, please, unless there's something really unusual going on there. Uh, The neck, you know, when you get discs in the neck, uh, that operation actually is good and does help people. The one in the back, low back, I've never seen it not result in more operations. I've just, and I've never seen anybody happy with the operation afterwards. Uh, certainly you get local injections that can be very helpful. There's a lot of cortisone. local stuff you can do, cortisone and whatnot. Um, you can go see a chiropractor. Sometimes they are very healthy with that. You can see a physical therapist. Uh, there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done, but please don't let anybody operate on it. That's my, that's been my rule of thumb through most yeah. of my career. Reggie, anybody friends? Yeah, it, it does <laughs> seem like it's starting to spread too. Well, certainly get a diagnosis. Make sure, you know, see what's going on there. There can be nasty things sometimes that cause pain, right? Uh, and you want to make sure it's just a, the run-of-the-mill disc thing, which everybody who's upright has, my friend. Everybody who stands and walks upright has low back problems, especially if you've been a weightlifter. Yeah, I tried. Do you I, have I, it? I feel, I feel pretty good. I have, like, sometimes I'll get, like, a little pinched nerve in, mm-hmm. like, my mid-back mm-hmm. and sometimes lower. Well, that The mid-back is the, you do a lot of planes? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I try to, you know, I don't know. I try to do like a lot of core stuff. And, good. You know, um, a lot of like, especially like scissors, like scissor kicks are really good with your yep. hands underneath your, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you're feeling okay. But like, those are great. Sometimes actually, if I do have a low, uh, sore lower back, I will do those scissor kicks. Just get on the ground, lay on my back. Walking and, is great for the low back. Yeah, it's true. Walking, yeah. just walk on a, you know, with proper shoes on the right kind of surface and it'll, it'll help. Yeah. Uh, and it will go away and it will come back. That's the other thing about low back. It goes and it comes and it goes and it comes. One of those things. It's part of being upright. And it, as soon as somebody says to me, I have a, a bulging L2, L3, blah, 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 give me all the anatomy. I'm like, I don't care. Everybody has something with that. Yeah, Everybody. Yeah, yeah. So just because you have a bulging disc does not mean you should take opiates oh. or get an operation. Oh, man, it's just a domino effect. Because then it it's is. like you go in, it's like one thing, one thing, and then another thing, and another thing. And you're like, no. Yeah, a lot of times, like even like my knee, I have like weird knee stuff. And when I was mm. on Rogan, he was like, "There's this guy, his name's Neo, Neo over to well, there's stem cell they get. That was ridiculous. It's so like, it's almost like voodoo. Like, I mean, there is some, there's some evidence, but it's like so fifty fifty and not certain that you're going to be spending like fifteen grand, twenty grand for something that might maybe work, which is just not worth the price to me. But this guy that he referenced me to, is, I think his name is uh, Knees Over Toe Guy or whatever, and he contacted me, and, and his whole thing is he had a knee surgery, and they said he would never get his knee flexibility back, but now he's like kind of like a movement, functional movement guy, yeah. and it's insane what he's how he's helping people with knee, Help knee injuries. Well, he says he wants to. So, well, um, so we'll see. I, I do want to get my knee stronger. And I, it's I so want... funny how Rogan is into everything that way. He just, he just whatever the latest thing yeah. is, he's got it. Oh, he he's, knows the data. It, and he's... It's there. <laughs> it's there. He's like this guy. I'm like, okay, cool. You, you know, mo- <laughs> most of my career, I was um, 
skeptical of that. I, I would always, I would always mm, pull back a little bit from the newest, latest, because I'd say most of my career that always ended up being bullshit. Yeah. I, I, but lately, <laughs> lately, here's what's happening: is that there are these innovations. They do work. But they, they, you can't afford to do the trials necessary to prove it. Mm-hmm. So no one ever gets to prove their therapeutics because there's no pharmaceutical company funding it. That's how insane things have become. Have become so I'm coming upon things where that are like that, like yeah. what, what, that are like okay, this is like a good thing. You know, one of the things that I talked to Rogan uh, when he got his COVID treatment. You know, yeah. his, his doctor gave him. Uh, ivermectin, monoclonal antibody. Uh-huh. It's pretty standard, whatever. Uh-huh. And, and monoclonal antibody is very effective back then. Uh-huh. And two days of, um, God damn it, nic- n- NAD, NAD oh, infusions. Nicotinocyamide yeah, or yeah, nicotinocyamide mead. Yeah. yeah. And, and the first, because several things that the press went insane about were like sort of standard things, not innovative and not really hard, just inert, standard, yeah. either inert or standard. But the NAD infusions, I was like, dude, that's interesting. How did that work for you? And I was asking him, like, because that if they wanted to make an issue of something, that's what they should have made an issue of. Because yeah, right. that is really outside the box thinking. And Joe Felder really helped him, which was very interesting. I mean, I take, I take well, no, I, t- I changed because there was, some, there was some evidence that it might exacerbate certain forms of cancer. NAD? Yeah, NAD. And and so I switched to the company that I use. They have another version. Basically, there's a substance that promotes NAD production rather than riboside. Yes, exactly. That's what I take. Yes, that's what I take. So I take the Trunigen version. Is that what you take? Too, uh, the Elysium. Elysium. Yeah. Uh, these are. I, I'm. I've looked at that data carefully. I've talked to the scientist repeatedly, and I, I think that is something. I yeah. Think, I think it's doing something. So in terms of, the, you know, the oxidative state of our cells is associated with aging. Yes. And if you can push that back even a little bit, you're going to do something. Yes. And so that's sort of my stupid thinking about it. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, I haven't taken it for a while. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm constantly reading data and just making sure, like, what I'm taking. Because I do, I love neurohacker stuff. You know, it's, it's there's something, you know, nootropics and those yep. types of things. Yep. It's a, it is an interesting area. Yep. And and some of it's just supplementary, so I don't really feel like it's that dangerous. If anything, no. it just doesn't do anything. Right. Um, and you've just spent a lot of money on on, Possibly. A, on a miracle supplement. Although I was I was saying something the other day that you know I I took creatine for a couple of days. I'm like, yeah. oh damn, it really helped my performance. I was I got to take this every day. Creatine is going to get a lot of good press. Yeah, I started huh. taking it too, and I was like, because I was associated associated creatine with like, oh, I'm I'm weightlifting, so I need yeah, to yeah. take like yeah. if you're weightlifting, you got to take these supplements. But there are some amino acids or branch chains that are like really awesome, branch beneficial chain amino forever. acids. Another very good. Yeah, the, some, the data looks very good on that. I, I, li- I like the that. essential amino acids. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Okay, so before I let you go, we're kind of winding up here. Um, one of the things in the book that I that I did not quite get from your history and story was Montana via Europe. Oh uh, yeah, is the Europe? Were you traveling a lot in Europe or something, or how did you, other than your mom's influence? What what was the European influence in your life? Uh, well, I mean, um, I would go to France like every other summer uh, to visit my relatives. So would I'd you stay there. for a while? Yeah, we'd be there for the whole. Uh, summer. Oh, good. That's so good. For yeah, kids. it was great. Like great immersion. You know, I got to hang out in the little village where my uncle lives in um, Toul, and uh, you know, visit like my aunt Montserrimine, which is in the middle, and then my uncle lived in Nice, and mm-hmm. so in the in the hills, he was a truck driver, and so stay with him, ex-military. You know, go to the beach, like 
whatever. I was like, there was a lot of time me like hanging out in small, quiet villages and uh, walking around I, country roadsides. I'm and, developing a fascination with that right now. It's it's as, amazing. As the world kind of gets weird, I keep thinking maybe that's where I should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, any place that's like gets you in touch with nature, you know, and, and just simple life, simple life, yeah. you know, just like. I don't know, as long as you feel like you're de-stressing. But yeah, so that's that's a lot of where that came from. And then also the 80s was just an interesting time, like the, the perception of what Europe was at the time. Were you in Europe at the time? I mean, yeah, it was like all the, because I grew up in the 80s. So like, it was like all, you know, whatever you'd see like, breakfast club or like you know the europe the europe in that time period was very just like oh it's french it's like oh the swiss they're so exotic you know and, like there's in england too we yeah had in the, england we, there's we a lot had of, the new wave which was a british yeah, invasion totally a lot of exoticism you know mm. of europe and like in sophistication and things like that or berlin coming out of the berlin wall crisis did you go over to germany and stuff i did not go there my mom was has never really liked germany just because of the war <laughs> so the, she's never forth, yeah too. she's never forget she she it's hard for them. I, I remember. I think I was at. I think I was at lunch with my great aunt, um, and she was in a home. But like, we got to take her to lunch to this place, and so we took her to lunch. And there was it was in a valley, and across the other side of the valley, you could see from the restaurant uh, windows, you could see the other side of the valley, and there was a train uh, uh, line that came through there. And so there was a train, and like the whistle went off or whatever, and she was like having some cognitive issues, and her immediate. And when she heard the whistle, she immediately start, took her knife and fork and like put it in the napkin and like in some bread and like wrapped it up in the napkin because wow. she was ready to go to mm. escape because she thought it was the Germans. So she was like, <laughs> Le Bosch, Le Bosch. And, and I, that was insane to see that. Wow. I was like, whoa, it's crazy. So the trauma of the war, my mom just never, you know, she was very proud French woman and was, yeah. And even though she had a friend who was German, um, it just took, you know, she was just naturally suspicious. There's a famous book called "The Body Keeps the Score." It's about trauma and PTSD and stuff, and it's just so true. Once the bot, once it's in written into your body, it's just yeah. It, it's not an explicit memory; it's a bodily based memory, and just it's there. Yeah, it's just like uh, it's yeah. like reactions, like yeah. compulsion, uh, or whatever. Yeah, it, yeah, that was crazy. But yeah, so but I mean, like I said, my mom would be open, but she just was always had an eye on somebody until she felt like they were safe. Reggie Watts, everybody, get the book. Is is it is the title Great Falls, Montana? Is that the how do we how do you look on Amazon? You just look at various the great, titles here. Just Great Falls, Montana. Great yeah, Falls, great, Montana. Yeah, Reggie. Okay. Those are just subtitles, but All yeah, right. um, it's um, yeah, it's a fun one. It's you know, just tells you about. It focuses mostly on my uh, high school life. So you and, and to, it's really an interesting little uh, travelogue in the eighties too, which I dig. The eighties were a great time. Eighties were awesome, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like I feel slightly bad for any other generation, but it's like because the eighties were like. It was, fun, like, right? it was like the last time we had that innocence before we were hyper-connected with cellular and networked com computational devices. Yeah. It was like the kind of the last time where you were just like, I'll wait for you on the steps. Oh, they didn't show up. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to leave. Not only that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, just normal human conduct. But but there was a uh, a joyousness about that time, too. I remember- I remember, So much. Yeah, I was growing up in the 70s. The 70s uh -huh. was- terrible down we suck we're, we're everything's bad 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 and i will never forget and it was in fall of 1980 yeah uh, i was at a house party and it was still the this hangover the 70s was still there but this party everyone seemed like 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 enjoying themselves and then tivo oh uh, whip it whip it came on yes and people were dancing and joy that i had not seen maybe oh. in my lifetime maybe i just thought oh my god we're we're 
we're having fun again. <laughs> we're okay. Yeah, yeah. It was extraordinary. And th- and it wasn't like things were obviously better because everyone was sh- very upset about Reagan mm-hmm. and uh, we, they were, looked like war was imminent with, with Russia, yeah. you know, but somehow yeah. we kind of broke out of our, and I, I wish for that again for us. I, I think that there'll be another cycle like that for sure. It's like, you know, I, I predicted that rock would make a big comeback after the, after COVID and it, and it has, you know, and where I live in, I was, I was called counterculture, the health of a city of a cultural, uh, the city's cultural essence. And, and so for me, like LA, there's still tons of amazing post-punk bands and punk bands and hardcore bands. And it's a pretty healthy scene. A lot of dark music, which is kind of like to me, the fur, the fertile soil mm. that all music scenes kind of sprout from. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of that, I think, and you know, just like we're kind of getting tired we're we're getting worn out. And I think like I people, agree. and when I, when I went to this, I went to an amazing, um, electronic music festival in uh, in the UK called Houghton and everybody was just there just like all we want to do is dance and that's all we're going to do and Good. that's all it was I love it and uh, from as we say it's from your mouth to God's ears yes great to spend time with you really oh, thank you so much absolutely. for being here yeah. so where do you want people to go just, other than getting the book go to Amazon get the book yeah go to Amazon um, yeah just look out for it there's, uh, there's an audio book as well that'll be okay. out Get the book and then look for the movie and the TV show. In the movie and the TV show. (laughs) It's going to need two of those. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. All right. All conversations and information exchanged during participation of the Dr. Drew After Dark podcast or interaction on the drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine.